All commentary and opinions provided by the Jock Support Podcast are solely our own and do not express the views or opinions of our respective employers. No listener of the Jock Support Podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking a medical professional. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of the Jock Support Podcast are hereby expressly disclaimed. You ever watch a sporting event and wonder who's the meathead, headbutting dudes in helmets? Or the guy spraying water through a player's face mask. Welcome to the Jock Support Podcast. I'm your co-host, Chris Virtue, alongside Colin Francis. We'll provide our experiences and insights on what really is required amongst the support systems of elite-level teams and athletes. We're one strength coach. And one athletic trainer. Peeling back the curtain on what really goes on underneath those bleachers. Are you ready, bro? I'm ready, man. Yeah, buddy! Let's get it! Make it bounce, make it bump. Always give the party people what they want. The speakers be banging highs, mids, and lows. Make you want to start getting busy on the floor. All the fly girls screaming out. The DJs so I saw a tweet the other day, and uh, I've seen it before, but it, it hit home. Uh, I just wanted to bring it up today. Uh, the tweet says, in high school, our gym teacher asked us who we thought the smartest teacher in the school was. Uh, you know, the kids, I guess, the AP chem teacher, the pre-calc teacher, um, the AP physics teacher, and goes on and on. And the PE teacher, he goes, nope, it's me. Because I get paid the same as those guys, and I play dodgeball all day. Now, that, that hit home for me just because as far as being a strength coach, like, we have the greatest job in the world, guys. Um, we get to show up every day. I get to work with, you know, 18 to 22 year old athletes. Uh, Colin, who's not with, uh, with us today, he's busy taping ankles, but he's taping the ankles of some of the best athletes in the world. Uh, working in the NFL, living his dream. Uh, they're preparing for a game this week. So yeah, where are the guys playing dodgeball all day? You know what I mean? And to go on that point, we literally have played dodgeball before as far as a competition between teams. But, you know, sometimes we take ourselves too seriously and it's all, you know, X's and O's and I do this technology and this and this, blah, blah, blah. Like we show up, we hang out with some motivated people, some fun, cool, weird, awesome people, coaches included in that. And we just, we just try to get better every single day. You know, we're not, you know, trying to, um, teach a long algorithm or anything like that uh, to people that don't care anyways. It's these, these people care, these kids care, they want to get better. And we give them an avenue for that. We get to wear sweatpants and cut off t-shirts every now and then, and we get to play loud music. So we're the ones getting play, uh, get to get paid to play dodgeball every day. And uh, it's fantastic. It's a great, it's a great job. There's going to be There'll be people who will say, well, it's really hard. It's blue collar. It's long hours. It's this, that. It's whatever you make it, guys. You know what I mean? Like if you show up and you're just, you know, run ragged and you, uh, you're worried about the hours and the travel and all that, it's like all that could be figured out. But at the same time, just go and enjoy your day. Make the best out of every day. Always be joyful. So I, I read that tweet the other day and um, that, that hit home for me. I heard that. But earlier this week, uh, I guess last week, I presented to our virtual internship. So one of our strength coaches here at Indiana, Will Ali, he is uh, our intern coordinator. And he created 
during the COVID-19 pandemic, a virtual internship with some other strength coaches at some other schools, you know, Washington, Notre Dame, Princeton, UCLA, Michigan, a few others uh, that I'm missing right now. I apologize for that. But he worked with them along with one of our other strength coaches, Lainey Deppie, and they created this virtual internship for the summer due to the fact that interns could not work in person because of all the strict protocols that we had for the COVID-19 pandemic. And it worked out so well that Will and Laney, they, they just jumped on board to the point where we run it now at IU. And along with our interns that work in person, which we have two right now, and we'll be adding more, is we have a virtual internship. And every week he has curriculum for the, and he's always done this for the kids that showed up in person. But now, I mean, we have an intern right now from Scotland. And from different places all over the country, different schools as well as in Bloomington. And they get taught by some of the best minds in the Big Ten and in the country. Uh, the topics change from week to week. We, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about power. Last week, Will presented on Olympic lifting um, and the progressions of that. Last week, I presented on uh, how I teach the Olympic lifts. And we put those all on video. We give, uh, there's classroom sessions, there's lecture, sh lecture sessions, and these kids just get to learn. And so I think that's a, a big part of working in athletics. You know, a lot of times people will get um, curveballs thrown their way in their job and it's hard to adapt. Whereas as a strength coach and Colin would say the same thing as an athletic trainer, it's like, okay, we'll just figure it out. You give us this problem, we'll figure that out. You give us this knot, we'll untie it. Like, we'll figure something else. We'll, we'll figure something else out that will get the job done. Same thing happened during the pandemic. We trained virtually. We, we ran everything through our website, indianastrength.com. Uh, we put all our programs up on there. And we were able to provide a great service to our athletes while they were away from us. And so the same thing's happening now with this internship. Now, after my presentation, and this is how I teach the Olympic lifts, uh, I figured I, I had a couple questions that were submitted from the interns after that. So I figured I'd just go over that myself since Colin was busy this week. Uh, and so here we go. So the first question was, and again, I had already given a presentation on how I teach the Olympic lifts, and I, I can go through that another time. But um, first question was, how long do you emphasize and progress power? Olympic lifts during volleyball training. That's my team volleyball. What other key components do you focus on and why? So how long I emphasize it and how I progress it. Um, I focus on power all the time. At some point during the year, it will change a little bit. It ebbs and flows. But my programming is very simple due to the fact that, one, it is a power sport. It is a power metabolic sport to where they have to jump high, they have to jump fast, and they have to jump over and over and over again for two to two and a half hours, sometimes twice in a day, and then sometimes twice, three times, four times in a weekend. So not only do they need to be powerful, they need to be repeatable. So combining, you know, strength, conditioning, and power, it's always a part of the program. Now there's going to be different phases and different times. Uh, my current coach or my coach at Indiana, um, Steve Aird, when he came in, it was fantastic. He showed up and said, uh, you do the weight room. I'll do, uh, I'll do the volleyball. When I go up in intensity, you go down. When, you, when I go down, you go up. And that's how we, we play it throughout the year. When, when volleyball picks up, I start taking some things out of the program, but power will still be an emphasis. We'll just play with the volume and play with the intensity. It should always be a part of the program. Um, and other key components, I mean, 
there's is so much involved in training a collegiate athlete and so little time to do it that yeah there is a lot to focus on but also you got to it's almost a triage and uh you you got to get creative on where you fit stuff in so you know even during this pandemic our season was canceled and we're in the fall right now. And I, my mind was in in-season mode and even programming my mind was in in-season mode because it's been this way for 14 years that I've programmed a certain way in the fall. And now it's completely different and upended me a little bit. So then I, I met with a few of our strength coaches here that understand kind of the way my mind works in programming. And I sat down, I was like, I just, I need you guys to get me out of the in-season programming mode. And they did, and they knocked my head loose, and I was able to get back into an off-season training mode where I may not have a lot of time that I normally would. Like, normally I'd have them five days a week. I only have them three days a week right now, but I'm cramming as much stuff in there and just getting creative around it. So if I'm setting up a workout, you know, we have we'll, – we'll start with some conditioning. We'll do some jump ropes. We'll do some versa. Then we'll go into dynamic warm-up. Then we'll do our stretches. We'll do our prehab and things of that nature, and then we'll get into the lift. And a lot of times the first movement is a power movement, but it's a, more of a technique movement, a light load, just to kind of warm up into it. Well, now we're supersetting something within there, maybe shoulder care, maybe hip care, things of that nature. Then I'll move into a power movement to where I won't superset anything with it. I will just focus on that movement, well, movement whether it's a hang snatch or clean, what have you. And then I'll move into some of my strength movements, but now we'll do some contrast training. Now we'll pair it with some plyometrics. Maybe we'll throw some 10 yard flies and things of that nature and on down the line. So where everything's kind of paired up groups of three groups of four exercises, as opposed to them just doing a movement on the platform and then sitting around waiting for the other two guys or girls uh, to finish their set. So you just get creative with it as you go on throughout the year. Second question, when coaching Olympic lifts, you had mentioned working backwards and letting them feel the movement out. What have you implemented or worked on next if this strategy was not clicking for the athletes? So what I described to them was my foundation and what I start with in Olympic lifting, whether it be a clean, whether it be a snatch, I end with what, or I start with where I want them to end. Because a lot of times what I see in Olympic lifting is, you know, they may learn the hang position, which is an awkward position for a uh, athlete. And then they'll get into the power position and like, well, what's the difference between a hang position and the power position? And all of that happens during this technically the second pool of an Olympic lift. And then we go into what's called the third pool, which is the transition from that triple extension full power from power position to full extension. And then going into our catch, whether it be a full squat, whether catching in the power position, well, what have you. And that's where I see a lot of athletes struggle, especially when the weight starts to go up or the intensity or percentages start to go up, they will struggle getting to full extension, snapping underneath the bar, dropping when they catch. So that's where I start. And that was just over years of development where I used to teach it. Well, we'll start from the hang and then we'll work to the pool. And this is the way the arms work. And like, so many people will, learn early and they just become upper body dominant or what I say, belly button up dominant, where I want to work from the belly button down. I want to get to a full extension. I want to extend the hips. I want to extend the knees. I want to extend the ankles. I want to get to that fully extended position. From there, I want to pull on the bar that I've already created momentum in, but I want to create an impulse to where I, I do pull up, but at the same time, I'm ripping myself down underneath the bar. Now, if that is a struggle, then it's more of just breaking down technique. Because we have limited time, people want to rush it and they want to work for a number. And like I told the interns, I don't care. What I'm looking for, if like 
when I get a freshman, some of them have their training age is zero. Some of them never touch the barbell. You know, I, I try to get my hands on them as early as possible. When they commit, they have full contact with me and I'm sending them programs and, and to their trainers and to them and their strength coaches and parents and all that stuff, just trying to prepare them as best as possible when they show up. But sometimes they show up and they've never touched the barbell or they've never done a clean or they've never done a snatch. So what do I care in two months what their max clean is? You know what I mean? What's their technique? What is the foundation I'm going to build on? What's the 30,000 foot view? What is it going to look like in three years and four years when we are moving some real weight? Because they have learned a the technique, they're stronger, things of that nature. So no, there are no quick fixes. And it's the same if you are in a sport and it's like, well, how do you fix my shot? Is there any gimmicks or any? No, you just keep shooting and you keep working through the form. You keep refining the technique and it's the unsexy stuff over and over and over again. Now, as a coach, you need to have some empathy for that athlete because it's like, you can't get mad at them because you haven't taught them or you haven't taught them well enough yet. So you need to find a way at which it clicks with that athlete and slowly progress them over time they'll start to get it. You'll start to see things click and then you can throw a little bit more and pull, pull more out of the toolbox and pour more, pour, pull, sorry, more cues from your toolbox. And then you can keep advancing and then the weight will come and then the numbers will come, but you can't be in a rush to get there. So like, again, if it doesn't look right this week, cool. We'll get it looking right next week. And if it's not, we'll get it the next week and the next week. And it's just the unsexy reps over and over and over again. Next question. After the talk, uh, this was from an intern that you know we sat in an office and uh, we were talking with one of the other strength coaches. And so we were in one of the other strength coaches' office and you mentioned how you cycled through different percentages during training. Is the idea all velocity-based and using similar amounts of weights? And what is your thought process behind it? So that's going to kind of depend on you know, where you are in the year, but, um, the way I, I program my, um, my percentages and my progression is I will go through, um, I go four weeks at a time. So, cause I have a pretty good idea what's happening over the next four weeks, whether it's the first four, four weeks of off season, whether it's the first four weeks of the big 10, I kind of know the rigors and demands of that time. And what I'll do is I'll set a total rep um, amount that I want to hit for that month. You know, typically in an off season, we'll start with a thousand reps in season. It's going to go down to 500 reps, 600 reps, depending on how many days you get to train and things of that nature. But the way I work it is, you know, typically in an off season, I'll have at least uh, three lifts, if not four lifts, just when we're talking just lifting, not conditioning, anything like that in a week. And I have four weeks in a month. So what I'll do is, is I'll take a thousand reps and I will break it up percentage wise to where I undulate it. And if, you know, people will talk about progressive overload and linear progression or periodization, um, I fall more under the undulating, um, periodization. It's more so Louis Simmons at, at Westside Barbell has talked about that before with, you know, undulating, um, undulating patterns and undulating periodization to where 
there's there's a rhyme and a reason to it but it's a little bit more it's not random but it's just it's it's a little bit of a change every single week or every single session to where it's not just a straight line or it's not just a bulk of like three weeks hard whatever it may be so what i do is i'll take those thousand reps and i'll break those thousand reps up into four weeks so if i were to do it the same you know 25 percent of that thousand reps every week i'd have 250 reps per week what I do is I undulate it. So week one, I have 27% of that thousand reps or 270 reps. Week two, I go 22%. Week three, I go 32%. And week four, I bring it back down to 19%. Within that, you know, when my volume goes up, percentage goes up as far as reps, sometimes the intensity goes down. When my intense or my volume goes down, my intensity will go up. So if I'm at 19% for a week, 190 reps, there may be some more intense reps within there. It just kind of depends on where we are in the year. Now, within a week, I'll go off that same thing. You know, say it's Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, a four-day split. I'm going to go 27%. So say week one, I have 27% of my 1,000 reps. So I have 270 reps to get in that week. Well, 27% of them will come on Monday. 22% will come on Tuesday, 32% on Thursday, and 19% on Friday. So I've undulated my week. I've undulated uh, my month. And then uh, if I have a three-day week, it just changed. The percentage just changed a little bit, but still undulating. Session one will be 42% of my total reps for the week, 24% on session two. Session three would be 34%. Now within my actual days, I'll undulate it within there too. There are going to be days where... There may be some more technique-based lifts combined with a power movement that I want to hit a weight on combined with some accessory strength movements that, you know, the intensity may be high, the intensity may be low. So what I'll do is I'll assign, um, according to my percentages and reps, a relative intensity for each exercise and each factor that week. And so, you know, we may hit 42% of our reps on day one, but the relative intensity is at 58% for the whole workout as far as percentages, you know, off of 100% percentage. Um, day two, we'll have 24% of the weekly volume and the relative intensity may be at 67%, just based on all the reps and sets and schemes that I've gone through that lift and what I've chosen to emphasize that day. And then 34% of my total volume on session three, maybe at 63%, somewhere in the middle as far as the total relative intensity. So it's just undulating, playing with it. Um, I can dive into that deeper later on, but that's, that's how I set up my percentages to where I have, I have a set um, template on how it flows throughout a month, but it changes. It, it has built-in change and built-in waves and just a, a built-in undulation as it goes through the, the month. So that way, as I go through my cycles, I'm not getting stagnant. And I can also play with the total volume or the relative intensities to where I can tailor that to an off season where we maybe ramp it up, maybe volume is up. And then as we go through the months or go through the weeks, the, the intensity goes up or when we're in season, maybe the volume is way down. Maybe my month is set at 500 reps for the entire month. But within that, because the volume's not high and maybe I don't have as many sessions, I can, I can still hit some relative intensity on some of these lifts. So I'm not going to abandon my, you know, my goal for intensity or power movements and things of that nature. I just may not be able to do it at the volume I normally would in an off season. Now, next question. 
If you were not to use Olympic lifts to mimic demands of volleyball, what other variations of power exercises would you likely to program? Would you be likely to program? Also, what made you switch from not using Olympic lifts as frankly to using them consistently, consistently with volleyball? So what I explained to the interns is I, my program has evolved over the 14, 15 years I've been a strength coach. You know, when I started at Indiana way back when, we were more of a high intensity hybrid of training. So on one spectrum, you have the high intensity strength coaches, the ones where it's time under tension and lower volume, higher intensity sets to failure, forced reps, uh, heavy uh, emphasis on eccentrics and proper form. To the other end of the spectrum, which is your more typical Olympic lifting programs that is strictly barbell, platform, bumper plates, that's it. And you have some accessories, but the main movements are your, your Olympic lifts. I started off more on the high intensity spectrum where I didn't use Olympic lifts. I used machines, uh, some barbell movements, leg press, set still failure, what have you. And then as I've grown, as I've experienced more sports, there's 24 sports I've worked with every single one of them at one point or the other. And you just learn and you gather and you read and you, you know, a lot of what I did early on, because uh, some say I may be, uh, I'll debate or I'll be argumentative or I like to be right. Uh, I don't mind those assessments because I study and I research and I read because I want to know what I'm doing is right. Like everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to do all that stuff, but I also want to be right when I do that stuff. And that includes studying the other side. So when I was younger, I was a high intensity guy. I read Arthur Jones and Mike Metzner and all that stuff. And, but I also read the Olympics lifting side of it and had a lot of debates and arguments and things of that nature. And then over time, people like if, if I'm really studied up on my, um, my principles and lifting and stuff, and someone gets me to move in another direction, then they've done a really good job because I've pretty prepared on my side. And you need to be, a, you don't, a lot happens as a young strength coach, you see something on Instagram or YouTube or, you know, at Alabama or whatever it may be. It's like, oh, I want to train like that. I want to do that. And then you start bouncing around. Well, what you really need to do is just try everything, learn what you're doing, know why it's right, but also be open to criticism, debate, and realizing over time, there may be a better way. It's not necessarily you're wrong, but there may be a better way. There may be a more right way to do it. And then when you work with a more powerful team like volleyball, that you know, power and jumping and that capacity is important, then you start gearing your training towards that. And so it wasn't about getting them bigger and not so much even like I want them strong, but they, they also need to be quick and powerful and they need to be able to apply force at a high rate of speed. Uh, the rate of force development. So what does that? The Olympic lifts. Now, when I coach it now, and this is what I explained to the interns, it's not so much I'm trying to train them to earn a number on a platform at USA Nationals. It's something to supplement their training on the court. So they jump. But I mean, if you look at a freeze frame picture of a, of a volleyball athlete at the top of their jump, they're fully extended. What gets you fully extended? The Olympic lifts. Well, I'll, oh, and here's the thing. I didn't one day say, I'm going to do Olympic lifts and then started rolling with them. I trained them and I did a lot of cleans and I did a lot of snatches and I did, I wanted to feel everything and I wanted to know everything and I wanted to read everything. 
And then when I felt comfortable teaching it to myself and really strong with it, then I would implement a little bit here and there, a little bit here and there, you know, year four, I'm starting to do, you know, pulls and then year five, I'm throwing cleans in and year six, we're doing clean and presses, or maybe we're doing squat catcher, you know, whatever it may be. And then year seven, year eight, you throw in snatch in or snatch pools and you're doing more with the bar. And then it's just a, it's a development over time because again, we all want to win, but I want to be right. So I want to, I want, when I teach it, I want it to be the best possible product that I'm giving to the athletes. And the way you do that, you practice, you read, you study, you debate, you argue, you do all that stuff. So that way, you know, when you are presenting it to a coach or you're presenting it to an athlete or you're teaching an athlete, it comes from a point of confidence to where it's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to express that to you. I'm not going to say, I just know what I'm doing, but the way I teach it and how, um, how, what's the right word? Proficient I am in teaching it is going to come across to the athlete. And then we can focus on a lot of other things and leadership and things of that nature because we're very proficient. And here's the thing. A lot of people want to be efficient in teaching things or lifts and things that I want to be effective. So that's, that's another, that's a great term. I love that word is effective. Not so much efficient, it's effective. So that's how I go about it. If I weren't to use Olympic lifts, you have your body, we would jump. We would do a lot of jumping and we do now. I just don't do as much as, as much of it when they jump a lot on the court because it's just built in training. You know, when you test at the end of an off season, you may get a good number because you got a lot of strength and things of that nature going on, but test when they get a lot of volume on the court. You know, maybe not at the end of a season, although you do want to know those numbers at the end of a season because you want to see how your capacity to produce power has changed over time uh, repetitively. But the more they jump on the court, the better their numbers are going to be testing. Like, I mean, if you're doing it right and if you're um, testing it honestly, um, it's just practice. You know, you're going to make more free throws when you practice a lot of free throws. You're going to jump higher when you jump a lot. Well, but what leads into that? strength work, Olympic lifts, teaching them full extension, rate of force development. Now you do what they do naturally, jumping a lot on the court, maybe you've increased their capacity. You've increased their uh, potential, which to produce power in the movements that they do out on the court. So those are the questions I got back from the, uh, from the interns. Uh, hopefully I answered those as, as best I could, uh, and that makes sense if not. And if you have any questions yourselves out there, go ahead and send them to myself or Colin. We welcome all and any questions. It could be about strength and conditioning. It could be about athletic training. It could be about the Big Ten. It could be about the NFL. It could be about beer. It could be about restaurants. It could be about travel, whatever it is. Um, the, we're trying to open up the curtain as far as what happens or what it's like to live the life of the support staff, the people, the jock supporters, as we call them. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll convene here. Uh, if you guys have any more questions, anything like that, the next time we get on, Colin will be on. He'll bring a little bit more uh, beauty to this and light to this conversation. But today was a little bit more technical as far as uh, Olympic lifts and how we teach them and some of the questions that arose from our virtual internship. If you have any questions on that virtual internship, I encourage you, if you'd like to join at some point, um, contact uh, William Ali, uh, William Ali for any of that information. Uh, his email is w-a-l-l-i at iu.edu. And he's the one you would contact for all that information. But you can also send uh, stuff to myself or Colin. And uh, go forth and be awesome. Thanks, y'all. And this has been the Jogging Report Podcast. Boogie, boogie, boogie.
bang to the bang to the bang.